The speed at which the COVID-19 virus changed most of our lives was pretty shocking. The speed at which the virus spread at the very least felt incredibly fast. But most shocking of all was how devastating the virus was for minorities and people in low-income communities. In Indiana, black Hoosiers accounted for 13% of cases reported by the state's Department of Health, although only being about 9.8% of the population. Latinos accounted for 11.6% of the state's COVID-19 cases, despite being 7% of the state's population. Statistics like those are found all throughout the U.S. But why? That's what the House Subcommittee on Environment and Climate Change wanted to find out. This is Subcommittee Chairman Representative Paul Tonko of New York. Communities that have long faced the worst injustices continue to suffer more air pollution and vulnerability to our changing climate. Our approach must be equal to this challenge, building a comprehensive strategy that works to restore environmental justice for communities of color and low-income neighborhoods. As part of the fact-gathering for that proposed strategy, Tonko Subcommittee invited witnesses who could speak about those issues. This is Jacqueline Patterson, Senior Director of the Environmental and Climate Justice Program for the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. As we all know, the same systemic inequities that make certain populations differentially vulnerable to various impacts from the COVID-19 pandemic are the same systemic underpinnings that comprise the root causes driving environmental injustice, including climate change. Racism, xenophobia, sexism combined with poverty, housing, housing insecurity, racial profiling, differential access to healthcare, under-resourced education, privatized criminal justice, and disproportionate exposure to pollution that attacks the lungs, rendering communities even more vulnerable to COVID-19 that also targets the lungs. These are all critical commonalities. One recent study found that even small increases in fine particulate matter, such as PM 2.5, have an outsized effect on COVID-19 in the United States. An increase of just one microgram per cubic meter corresponded to a 15% increase in COVID-19 deaths. Evidence shows that people who have been living in places that are more polluted over time, they're more likely to die from the coronavirus. In one study, in the same study, which looked at 3,080 counties in the United States, people who had lived in counties with long-term pollution exposure for 15 to 20 years had significantly higher mortality rates likely due to the higher risk of existing respiratory and heart diseases in the areas of high pollution. And these are our communities. To add to the injustice, African-American and Latino-American people are typically exposed to 56 and 63% more PM2.5 pollution than they produce through consumption and daily activities. Yet another dimension to the injustice. Furthermore, the health effects associated with indoor air pollution include respiratory illnesses, heart disease, and cancer, each of which have been linked to increased vulnerability to mortality due to COVID-19. And once again, African-Americans are more likely to be to have respiratory conditions exacerbated by indoor air pollution. Once again, we have a response by the administration that prioritizes protecting the profits of big corporations while comparatively neglecting to advance action at the scale and depth that truly upholds the well-being of people. The sentiment was shared by Mustafa Santiago Ali, Vice President of the Environmental Justice, Climate and Community Revitalization National Advocacy Center at the National Wildlife Federation. Today's hearing comes at a critical moment in the history of our country. Frontline communities are under attack from multiple emergencies happening at the same time. 
black communities are, are dealing with the systemic racism that has infected the policing in our communities that is literally choking us to death. The rolling back of environmental rules and regulations has us gasping for air due to the cumulative public health impacts from the burning of fossil fuels in our communities. COVID-19 continues to devastate black and brown and indigenous communities, both in infections and deaths. So when we say, I can't breathe, we literally can't breathe. Over 2 million Americans have been infected with the coronavirus and over 113,000 have died. Communities of color across our nation's health and wealth are being impacted by the burning of fossil fuels that is a significant driver in the climate crisis and the impacts from the coronavirus that we find ourselves dealing with. We have over 500,000 homeless citizens in our country and many of them are at risk both from air pollution and the lack of clean, accessible water, which is critical to both personal hygiene and the ability to protect oneself from COVID-19 infections. The last time I joined you, I shared that disproportionately, the majority of fossil fuel facilities are located in communities of color, lower wealth communities, and on indigenous lands. 2.4 million miles of pipeline is crisscrossing our country, traveling through indigenous land, through farm country, and ends up on the Gulf Coast in vulnerable communities who often have to bear the burdens of these toxic exposures. As has been mentioned earlier, in our country, we have over 100,000 people who are losing their lives each year prematurely to air pollution. That's more folks that are dying from toxic air than are dying from gun violence. We have 25 million with asthma and 7 million kids in many of our communities of color and lower income and lower wealth communities are literally dying for a breath of fresh air. We know that many of our communities are closely located to toxic facilities and they are suffering from chronic medical conditions, heart disease, liver disease, kidney disease, and lung diseases, as well as the cancer clusters that we find across our country. Despite the testimony, some members of Congress did not see the link between air pollution and COVID-19. Representative David McKinley of West Virginia said it was more unhealthy to remove businesses from those areas than it was to let them pollute. Look, last, uh, last November, this subcommittee held a similar hearing on challenges facing frontline communities as they transition away from fossil fuels. We highlighted towns like Welch, West Virginia, Gillette, Wyoming, Arlen, Kentucky, and Petersburg, Indiana, all of which depend on fossil fuels for their livelihood and existence. Now, eight months later, let's revisit Welch in McDowell County. Welch is unique. It has the a minority population, the largest in West Virginia, at 35% minority. It's now experiencing a poverty rate of 27%. And unemployment has grown to 15%. And this lack of jobs has led McDowell County to having the highest drug overdose rate among all the, all the counties in America. In a conversation with the mayor of Welch last week, he implied that the repercussions of COVID create short-term problems, but the anti-fossil fuel agenda from the left is a long-term threat for communities like Welch and would completely destroy the economy of the city of Welch and the entire region. So Mr. Chairman, Tying air pollution to COVID-19, really, seriously, it is a simplistic answer 
to complicated to a complicated question. Once again, you are, are taking advantage of a public health crisis to justify your party's agenda against fossil fuels. Some will call fossil fuels pollution, but in West Virginia, we call them jobs. Representative Tonko said members of Congress would use a testimony to address the longstanding harms. <laughs>